Welcome to the Have It All Marriage for the Have It All Life podcast, an extension of realmanrevolution.com. My brother, if you're a high-achieving, successful professional man and you've succeeded in providing your wife with a lifestyle that most women would envy, yet she tells you that it's not enough, that she's not happy and she doesn't feel loved, then this is for you. My brother, today I have a trifecta of epiphanies to share with you, and this trifecta is the gift that continues to open my eyes to what is real, what is raw, and what is relevant in business and in marriage and in life. And I'm going to ask that you indulge me the business discussion and promise that it's going to provide one or more huge epiphanies to you about marriage. So without further ado, let's dive in. So many of us achieved the role of CEO by starting the company, and I was no different. And predictably, when I began my CEO journey, well, let's just say that I had a lot of growing to do. And today, I want to focus on a huge epiphany that my Vistage chair gave me when he talked about the four quadrants of employee categorization. And so I want you to think about a standard graph with the y-axis going up, of course, and representing the level of skill that an employee has. And then the x-axis, traveling from left to right, represents that employee's attitude. And there's many ways of looking at attitude, such as how plugged into the culture, how self-aware, what are their goals and their values and their work ethic and willingness to get better, etc. And so now we're going to divide that graph into four boxes with the bottom left being the low skill low attitude and those are the people that must be reintroduced to the job market and, and be made available to competitors and as soon as possible because to not do that ensures abdication of leadership we as business leaders have a fiduciary responsibility to the business our customers our employees and everyone who depends on the company to ensure that we're protecting it from the people who are not able to contribute and don't much care about the fact that they can't contribute now, moving along the bottom to the right, we have a box that represents employees who have low skill, but they have a great attitude. And these are our rising stars. And it only makes sense to invest time and money and emotion into helping them to get better, to grow their skills. Because to make this investment is to live in fiduciary leadership, as it's what's best for the company and all who depend on it. Now, moving up from that rising stars box is the top right corner, and this is the A player quadrant. These are the superstars. They're truly the reason the company succeeds, and we want to do everything possible to take care of and invest in these people because they're the lifeblood of the company. And as a C-level leader, our best and highest service to the company is to get as many people into the A player quadrant as possible, as fast as possible, and to do everything possible to keep them happy to stay there. Now, if you've been keeping count, there is one box left, and it's the upper left. And I left that as last for an important reason. Because the upper left quadrant is the most dangerous box to the company. This is the person who has very high skills, the kind of person who can pull your behind out of the fire, calm upset customers, pull all weekenders and get that late project out the door with zero defects, the kind of person a CEO is, is likely to think of as his or her right-hand man or woman. But lurking under all that competency is a very bad attitude, an attitude that is subversive to the company, a person who is literally poisoning your culture, talking about people, and probably you, behind your back, and secretly telling all who will listen, perhaps even some of your customers, that your company is a mess, it's not well run, and the people would be better off finding another company to do business with and or work for. Now, brother, I want you to dive deep into your heart because deep in your heart as a C-level manager or an owner or a partner or, or a surgeon or a chief surgeon, you know 
these facts. You know that this person is, is likely the only person on the team who can safely perform that surgery or change that computer program or handle that difficult discussion with that, with that very important customer. And you also know that that person is telling people that you're a weak leader and unfair and incompetent. And if he or she were in your role, how things would be so much better and different. And what do we most often do as leaders? We leave the terrorist in that role. Why? Why would we do that when they're destroying our company from, our, from the inside out? My brother, it's the virus of scarcity is the answer. The virus of scarcity is why we leave them there. We're afraid that without that person, that the, the department and or the company would fall apart. And it would take years for anyone else to have that level of knowledge and competency that this, that this terrorist has. And it's never a good time to start cross-training because that terrorist is too busy pulling us out of the fire. And so what's going to happen? What's going to happen when, when, we, when we pull that terrorist back or we, or we fire that terrorist or we create a culture where that terrorist is so uncomfortable that ideally they select out, they self-select out? The, the, what's going to happen is, is the fear, the scarcity of what's going to happen. Because what that person really is to the company is a terrorist. That person is holding your company hostage. That person is so dangerous to your company that they should be walked out the door immediately. And, and, and until we deal with that scarcity mindset, until we can figure out what we're going to do about it as, as CEOs and spending decades in CEO roundtables and having day-long discussions, the number one thing that CEOs tell me is, as a CEO, the number one mistake they make is taking too long to reintroduce that terrorist inside their company to the job market. So hopefully they can go work for your competitor. It doesn't matter how much knowledge they have. Anything they tell your competitor that's going to hurt you is, is going to be less consequential than how much they're hurting you. And so, yes, we have non-competes and yes, we try to enforce them. But the bottom line is this scarcity mindset of what happens if they go work for a competitor? What happens if, if, if that, the big fire comes, the computer program needs to be changed, the difficult surgery needs to be performed, and we don't have that terrorist? We have got to rise above that scarcity mindset. We've got to live in abundance. We've got to go out and find and create and build things that we, that we live on our terms, right? And so the thing is, we, we don't do that because that person is so valuable that they're left in place and they're emitting their poison and their venom on a daily basis. And the inexperienced CEO with that scarcity mindset and his or her leadership team just let it go on and on and on. Now, brother, when I first learned about this concept, I knew exactly who my terrorists were and exactly how they were holding me hostage and exactly how they were terrorizing my company. Or I thought I did because this first epiphany was huge and I went to work fixing it right away. And I sat down and I thought about who else could be a terrorist. And I arranged everyone in a leadership role into each of those boxes according to that person's skill and attitude. Everyone, 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 except me. My second epiphany was that I belonged in the terrorist box. I had more skill than any person in my company. And yet I felt entitled as the CEO and the owner of the company, entitled to come in late, entitled to leave early, entitled to take unlimited vacations, and entitled to basically break every cultural norm within the company, even to the extent that I would gossip about and tear down the terrorists to my A players. 
This was such a huge epiphany. It was the turning point in my career as a CEO because what it taught me was that leadership is not a title. It's a set of actions that model and demonstrate by example how people in this culture behave. And until I was willing to look at it, until I was willing to look at my own crappy attitude, my company would be ever stuck, would be forever stuck where it was. Now, here's the thing. There's some kind of a parable about a wolf that's chasing you. And it's like, as that wolf is chasing you, you're running from that wolf. And as long as you're allowing that wolf to chase you, and as long as you're allowing this, this, this scarcity mentality of, oh my gosh, what happens if I turn around and face that wolf? You're going to continue to be chased by that wolf. Well, brothers, let me tell you something. In that parable, somewhere along the way, you run out of energy and you fall down and the wolf's got a lot more energy and the wolf faster the wolf is eventually going to catch you and so the thing is if we continue in our companies and we continue to let people terrorize them and we continue to let people poison our culture because we're afraid of what might happen if we if we let that person go or we, we have a culture so strong that that person self-selects out then what ends up happening is eventually what we fear is going to come to pass and our company is eventually going to fail so what we've got to do is we've got to develop this steel mindset, this, this incredibly strong mindset that we're going to have the company that we want or we're going to burn it down in the process and start over with a company that can survive, a company that is not plagued by these terrorists because we have now learned about the, the importance of not having that. And once I made that shift, once I made that shift that I myself would become an A player in my own company and I would no longer be driven by this scarcity mindset, keeping terrorists on the, on the team and talking about them behind their back and actually doing things that if, if I would fire them for, not leading, not setting the example, not modeling, not demonstrating in my own company, everything changed. And the terrorism problem faded away. And let me tell you something, none of my worst fears about it ever came to pass. So, so brother, I, I want to turn this to marriage now because it's, it's tempting to look at our wife as the terrorist. She certainly has the skills to give us everything we want and everything we need and things that we need very badly and are unable to get anywhere else, morally speaking, if you know what I mean. And, and also things like love and comfort and appreciation and respect and playful banter and emotional and physical support. Things like keeping the home fires burning while we go out and hunt, which enables us to build our dreams and, and have the life that we want. And brother, if your wife is unhappy, clearly she has a crappy attitude. She doesn't want to hear about her faults. She doesn't want to hear about her failures or shortcomings or about putting on a smile and fulfilling her role in the marriage. She wants to poison the culture of the marriage. She wants to talk badly about us to us, maybe to our kids, maybe to her sisters, to her friends, to her therapist, to her mom, to her social media boyfriend, whoever it is. And, and brother, whether it's on purpose or not, She's burning down the marriage. So you can very clearly and very easily and be justified in doing so, put her in the terrorist quadrant. But I'm going to ask you to consider, I'm going to ask you to consider that you may be a terrorist in your own marriage because you have the skill set to provide the lifestyle that you know your wife wants. And you're doing what the map you were handed as a child tells you to do. From the first time that God told Adam, his wife, from the first time that God told Adam that his job was to provide for his wife until the last television commercial that you watched showing the rich guy with a beautiful and adoring woman on his arm, 
You've had confirmation that you as a man are a man among men. You're a catch. You're a real provider. You're a guy who can give a woman that kind of lifestyle and that kind of financial security that little girls who dream of marrying doctors and lawyers and business owners and, and pilots and, and all the other highly successful, high-achieving men that these little girls hope and pray for. It's what they fantasize about. How many little girls fantasize about marrying somebody who can't pay the bills? But brother, hear me on this, because if you're delivering on that lifestyle with a crappy attitude and with a huge ego that expects her to bow down and submit and appreciate what you give her while you treat her like crap, well then you, my brother, are the, the lead terrorist. You're the real terrorist and, and you're the chief terrorist. You're the sea level terrorist inside your marriage. And you're literally demonstrating and teaching that behavior by modeling it. Now you may ask, but Bob, I don't treat her like crap. And my answer would be this. What woman who doesn't believe she's being treated like crap and has the lifestyle that you provide for her would act like a terrorist in her own marriage? So maybe you don't think you treat her like crap, but her truth speaks very differently to her. So, so you might be saying, okay, Bob, define treating her like crap. And I'm going to say, sure, she wants to feel safe in the fundamental four, which is finance, fitness, family, and faith in a kingdom, in a container that you have built so that she can experience freedom to create and grow within that container into her idea of the best version of herself and therefore have her idea of the best version of her life. And so the finance you provide is awesome, but brother, it's not enough. If you are not executing on the other three fundamentals, then in her mind, you're treating her like crap. And I'm going to tell you that the most important of those, along with finance, and equally important, is family. Because family is talking about the emotional well-being of everyone in the family, and most importantly, your wife's emotional well-being. And if she is not tuned up in that area, then she will become a terrorist inside your marriage. But what I'm wanting you to get out of this podcast, brother, is that you are most likely, and I would invite you to consider and take a hard look at the fact that you're leading that behavior. And this was the epiphany that changed my life and my marriage. And I'm going to tell you my business forever. Because my life and your life is a projection of who we are on the inside. We can only change who we are on the inside. And when we do, what we project and what comes back will then be different. And I'm going to say will only then be different. And so if I want a wife who is not a terrorist in her own marriage, I had to first become a man who was not a terrorist in his own marriage and then lead, motivate, inspire, and model that behavior by example. And making that shift has changed everything in my marriage and changing everything in my marriage enabled me to reach business heights that have been out of reach for decades. Because when your wife stops being an adversary and starts becoming an advocate, everything else becomes possible. And so today, executing on my husbandly CEO duties of expanding our kingdom in the four fundamental areas of finance, fitness, family, and faith enables and empowers the most important epiphany. And that's freedom, brother. Freedom. Freedom from pain. Freedom from marital angst. Freedom from marital suffering. Freedom to go where I want. Freedom to do what I want. Freedom to build what I want. Freedom to have what I want. And freedom to have a loving wife. The freedom of having a loving wife who is doing the same thing with each of us cheering each other on. 
because the culture inside our marriage is so aligned that everything that increases our individual emotional well-being increases each other's emotional well-being. Everything that increases any part of our well-being increases the others. It's a marriage made in heaven. It's a fantasy. And it's not just for us. My brother, you can have it too. In a moment, you're going to hear about how to access my free training that goes deep into how to build this kind of marriage and life for yourself. And I want you to know that it's out there for you, brother. Decide today that you're willing to put yourself on that chart and be honest with where you place yourself. And know that no matter how skilled you are, there is always room for growth, most especially when it comes to making her feel loved and seen and heard and held and cherished and, of course, safe. And know that attitude is an everyday thing. You need the tools, the rituals, the habits, and a lot of mindset work to get attitude going in the right direction and growing and most importantly to keep it growing but brother the skills are also fundamentally important because while you may be hitting it out of the park financially I'm gonna ask you to consider how well you're doing with the emotional support the emotional health of your wife the emotional health of your kids and where you're doing with leading the family in all four areas those foundational areas of the kingdom and, and providing that safe container and so, brother, decide today that you're going to make this huge shift from terrorist to a player in your own marriage, and your life will change in ways that are so wonderful that the only way to describe it is to live it. And this has been another chapter from the book of Bob. All right, gentlemen, as always, if you want more information, head over to realmanrevolution.com to register for my free training. Or if you've heard enough and you want to book a call to see if what we teach could be the turning point in your marriage and therefore your life, then head on over to haveitallmarriage.com slash apply. Haveitallmarriage.com slash apply. But gentlemen, know this. This is not for everyone. You must be a high achieving, successful professional man to apply for a call because we are going to leverage the skills you have already built that you have acquired through your blood, sweat and tears in order to achieve the success you already have in your professional life in order to achieve the have it all marriage and the have it all life as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So gentlemen, I look forward to seeing you on the call.